Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Going on the record, Brother Priest. Today, July 3rd, 2017, see the thought. Is uh, Andrew on the line? Hello. This is Brother Andrew. Shalom, Mason. Shalom, brother. I keep missing your call, man. Um, Is everything okay? Yeah. Yeah, everything's all right. Um, it was just something what I wanted to discuss with with you, but uh, uh, it's not really it's all right now. But let's sure. uh, acknowledging that though that you um seen the car. Yeah, man, I just um been away from the phone, and it's like. For me, I don't get a break. <laughs> I really don't, except for on the on the Sabbath, you know. So sometimes when I get away from that phone, I'm for real away. You know, like I forget I might even have it. So it's my fault, man. But you know. To make sure that everything was okay with you. Uh, I'm glad that you're okay. <clears throat> um, uh, just Shanice on the line. Yes, I'm here. How are you, sister? I'm okay. Okay, great. Did I send you? Did you get a message I sent you? I responded to you. No, I didn't. Uh, but I found the link. I ended up finding it on the website. Well, I thought I responded to you. And, okay, well, whatever. As long as you found it, so that's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're very welcome, sister. Somebody needs to go on mute because there's some talking in the background. Uh, before we get started, uh, is there anybody here other than EK that that does not have a Facebook account? So everybody here is familiar. Well, Javon, are you? How familiar are you with uh, Facebook? I'm very much familiar. I have I have two Facebook accounts. Okay. Um, one one of them, you know, I had problems with, and I thought I wasn't able to get into it, so uh, I created another one. But 
over some time, they allowed me to get into the second one. Okay. Um, are you familiar with the meetup function on Facebook? That no, I'm not not too familiar with it. Anybody else familiar with the meetup function? I don't see it when you go, like, if you go inside of Facebook online, I don't see it. But on the phone, I see it. Is anybody familiar with it? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No way. It can't be possible. (laughs) I've only been on Facebook, like, a few weeks. Um, hold on. Does, does anybody have Facebook on their phone? Yes. 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 Okay. You go to the phone, go to your phone, and you hit, uh, hold on. Okay, you go to your phone. And there's a little uh, a little man or something at the top right corner. You hit that, then you're going to see your screen come up. It's going to say profile. It's going to say nearby friends. Anybody see that? I'm not able to look at that feature right now. Um, I currently don't have any service. Okay. Anybody, sir? Brother Trevon, I don't see it. I have have the icon that says Facebook, and when I click on it, it just opens up, and then it just shows, um, it says, what's on your mind. It just says, what's on your mind. You can type in whatever is on your mind, and below that, it has a, a whole listing of friends of people that you've been contacting throughout Facebook. But that which okay. you speak of, I don't see that. Look, look at the top right corner. Okay, there's that little message message bubble, and on the oh, right side, yes, see that? Yes, see that, yes. Okay, click on that. Then it's going to open up that screen. You're going to see your your profile name. And underneath that is going to say nearby friends. You see that? No, I don't see nearby friends. It just opened up. It says messages, active, groups, and calls. What? Yeah, when I when I hit that bubble that says messenger. Oh, no, that's, not, not the that's bubble. That's what I see. The, 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 man, the little man on the right of the bubble. It's like a menu thing on the right side of that bubble. Let me go back in there. I I don't see that brother. I don't know if it's because I'm on my phone. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't I don't see that. Nobody does anybody see this? <laughs> my goodness. I know that I have to do quite a few uh app updates. Maybe Maybe if you update the app, you might see it turn on. See if you go to like your Google Play 
and go to the Facebook app and update it, and then go look for it and see if you see it. Shalama. Yes, sir. It might be up under those three bars. Mine, mine came up under the three bars, under the little man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, the three, but you see when I'm talking about nearby friends? Yes, sir. Okay. And when you click on that, you see where it says meet up with friends? Yes, sir. Okay. Let me turn it on. Mine is off. It says turn on. Well, I'm not turning it on. I'm just trying to see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I've been asking people and nobody's seeing it. And I'm like, yeah, is this government trying to trace me or something? <laughs> so I've gotta, I got to ask first, but you do see it, okay? Yes. Because everybody, <laughs> uh, people, I'm new on this. I, you, you all are seasoned. I'm not, you know, I don't know about this stuff. All I know is I stumbled on that by accident, and then anybody I asked, did they have that? Everybody said no. It's all like, come on, man, this can't be. But um, anyhow, um, so it's the three lines, you said. It's the three lines. Trevon, do you see those three lines? No, I don't see those three lines yet. I may have to refresh it like the sister says, and maybe I might be able to see it. Shalom, Trevon. Shalom, brother. Uh, it's, yeah. one that, it's, it's right there when you go to, uh, you can you got the uh, the ability to go to your your friends, like far as uh, you can you can see who who want to do a friend request and all that. You got the different you know selection. It says is the the last one to the right. You have the three bars going uh, horizontal up. In a row. Shalom. Yeah. You have to log on and off, Trevon. The three bars that allows you to log on and off, or off once you're on, there's three lines, or four lines. Okay, I, I see it here on the bottom, the bottom right hand corner. Um, okay. Now, what were we looking for? Uh, okay, I see the icon that says friends. And, and what were we looking for again? You said underneath your profile, it will say your profile name. Underneath yes. that, it should say nearby friends. Oh, okay, I found it. I do see it, nearby friends. Okay, how many does it say underneath yours? Like, how many friends are nearby you? I'm just gonna... Five. Okay. So, so this is at a the top, On the top, I'm sorry, brother. It says 76 on the top. Oh, that's probably the right one. Other friends are using nearby. Okay, it says seventy-six other friends are using nearby friends, but as far as I can see, it, it's like five. It's showing five. Okay. Um, the reason why I am asking about this is because uh, 
we're going to be making a move with the nation um, for outreach purposes and to carry on this mission. And I am just discovering the depths of Facebook um, really over the last seven days. I just came to a realization of how powerful this thing is. And um, I want to make sure that every time we have a class or whatever, that we're all discussing these things and um, getting everybody on the same page. So, uh, let me see who's on the line. Uh, One moment. Central Minnesota. Deshane? Come on, Brother Priest. I just got on the line. How are you, brother? How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's very good to hear that you're here. This is your first time on the line, actually. And um, good to have you here. So, everyone, this is our brother, DeShane. And um, DeShane, he, he came in, I guess, like during the break time. But he was he was trying to get with us for some time now. Um, but it just... Uh, well, for whatever reason, it wasn't working out. It wasn't clicking and falling into place. So, we finally have our brother with us. It's good to have him here and um, make sure that everybody welcomes him. So, before we really get started, I want to say uh, this is really important, what I want to share with you all. We, as a people, as a whole, Negroes, Latinos, you know, we're going through some bad times. And with this whole, um, what's the name, Bush thing, I mean, not Bush, Trump, excuse me, this whole Trump thing is looking pretty bad. Um, these people are infighting now. Uh, the, the U.S. government is infighting like I've never seen in my lifetime. Um, let me see. Who's in New York? Uh, oh, actually, Trevon. What's going on with this whole New Jersey governmental shutdown? Do you know anything? About the, um, I, I heard earlier this afternoon that they just shut down the beaches out there, but I didn't hear too much about it. Governor, Governor um, Christie shut it down, and he actually went on the beach with his family, but he shut it down to the public. But he didn't go into depths of why. Or, or I didn't hear much of why he had shut it down. 
Okay, well, I heard, well, I read, actually, that it was a government shutdown. The government was not operational or is not operational. I actually read that. Um, the, U, the New Jersey state government is supposed to be non-operational. And I want to verify that because, you know, you hear a lot of things. Um, you know what? Remember when this anth- not anthrax, Ebola. Remember Ebola broke out, what was it, about two years ago or whatever that was. I think it was Ebola. And there was a lot of people coming out talking about this was a false flag and there's really no Ebola scare. Well, let me just tell you something. I was actually a couple of blocks away from the actual hospital where this uh, infected individual was brought to. And I saw everybody going crazy. Cars, police, fire trucks, ambulances, blocked off, all types of stuff. I saw it. It was not a false flag. I witnessed it. And I hear a whole lot on Sandy Hook, false flag, on Sandy Hook stage. I mean... People make up a whole lot of stuff in their own minds when they're not there present to experience it, and they start propagating that stuff. Was anybody near the Sandy Hook thing that, or know anybody that experienced anything near that? No, I don't know anyone that experienced that. Hmm. Well... It's very interesting how they play these things out. You know, uh, anyhow, here's where we are. It is pertinent like never before that the people that we have in here with us now are protected and secured and that you know what to do at a time of any crisis. And if you don't, that you have somebody else to reach out to in the nation that would know what to do. So I need to cover that briefly. I Hopefully, your brother's long-winded. I'm going to try and keep this portion of it as concise as possible. The first thing is, We have regional people, uh, ministers, representatives, whatever. We are a small nation. We got, I've personally gotten rid of probably about 20 to 30 people since the end of last year. And some of them left because they knew that they were next. So some of them just darted. Um, and the the main reason that we have people that need to leave, need to be put out, really hasn't been because there's so much um, confusion that amongst them. Because I think we happen to be very blessed as we are 
one of the very few groups that you don't hear a lot of scandals coming out of. You don't hear all of this um, drama and, you know, we've been cool and we've been blessed. Uh, but some people are lazy. Some people are dishonest. And some people are excuse makers and don't hold their weight. So I'm fortunate that that happened. But it's true. And at some point, you got to give it all of our people. We got to give all of our people a chance to recognize where they're lacking, to keep up their responsibility to the nation. And we got to give ourselves a chance to grow, you know. But when you get a couple of years in and you haven't changed or grown and then you become a hindrance, you know, then it's time to start thinking about making a move. It's unfortunate, but it is real. So, one moment. So, in any event, we're moving collectively towards securing everyone to the best of our ability with the right type of information and the know-how and the context to who you need to be speaking with if something happens. Okay, first things first. Status issue. Status issue. Whatever, well, what's actually going on is this. Everything that you are looking at on the planet begins with commerce, debts, assets, commerce. Everything that you have ever believed deals with commerce, whether you know it or not, whether you understand it or not. To give you an example, uh, America is over in Iraq. There was a war. There was a death, Saddam Hussein. To common people, that looks like something personal against Saddam Hussein. And I'm not saying that people don't have personal things against him or 
people in the U.S. don't, but the execution of it and all of that has to do with commerce. Now, let's take it higher to understanding the most high. Very simple. You break the laws of God Almighty. That means you're breaking the laws of very nature itself. So, you can do things like, uh, let me see, develop improper eating habits, improper heat eating habits. It can make you gain weight. It can make your body get physically ill. You develop all types of illnesses and ailments. Okay, that disease, that illness is a debt that you acquire for transgressing the law. Now, it's not counted in today's world when you eat improperly is not counted directly as a commercial debt, but I'm going to show you the relationship. Oh, wait a minute. Let me say this. Um, EK, do you see the commercial relationship when I'm saying that? Do you see it? Shalom, yes, sir. I do see it. Um, it, it basically, because commerce is, is the exchange of goods and services, right? So nature endows you with the goods and services that you need. And so naturally, there's order in which you're supposed to stay in cohesion with what you're supposed to do to make sure that everything you do is in alignment. And so when you get out of that paradigm, that's when you incur illness, which incurs debt. So the ledger's not balanced in your dietary program, not you. Very good point. Sister Anisha, what do you see? Shalom, Nation. I'm sorry. Can you uh, ask me your question one more time? Do you see the relationship between commerce and physical ailments and diseases? Yeah, especially if you're not eating right. Especially if you're not. Um, well, if you're breaking the dietary laws or if you're being obsessive with your eating habits, even if, even if you are sticking to the dietary laws, if you're being semi-gluttonous and you're not abstaining or doing the necessary fasting during certain holy days or during the months of consecration, you might develop excess weight. And due to that excess weight, there are certain ailments that might spring up in your natural body because your body is not used to that weight. 
Um, and as far as sin, commerce, and dietary uh, and atonement is concerned, the only thing that I can think of is basically your your paying for your demise almost because you're paying to be a glutton and the gluttony is what's causing the disease in your body and the gluttony is what is the sin. That's what comes to mind to me at this particular moment. I yield. Okay, yes, 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 yes. But you, you you almost hit what I wanted to bring up. You almost hit it. Okay. I need to simplify this. That, uh, what they both said is correct. It's correct, okay? But here's what I mean. In order to get that way to be gluttonous, you do have to, well, in today's world, you do have to spend money literally to get all that food that you're eating. But also, in order to get healed in today's world, you have to do the same. So, here's a divine reason why. If you eat properly and follow the dietary program, you won't get ill, you won't get sick, you won't get disease. The disease is a debt itself. In order to heal the debt, today's world specifically, you have to use money or so-called money. Okay, somebody needs to go on mute. Whoever yawned, <laughs> he's going to mute. Mysterious yawner, he's going to mute. So that we understand, when you see war, you're looking at contracts, money's involved, you're looking at Breach of contract, therefore, that is commerce. When you're looking at death, do you know when somebody dies, if they're in prison, that the body is still incarcerated until the jail sentence is up? Did anybody know that? <laughs> what? What? Say that again, brother. No. <laughs> Can you repeat that once more? I don't even think I heard you right. I, I, I don't think I heard you right. <laughs> when you're in prison, if you die, your body is still incarcerated or held in the prison status until your sentence is up. <laughs> wow. They will release wow. the body for a funeral, but then they get custody of the body again. 
Sir. Is it because the prisoner the president has assumed creditor status of that body? Now you That's a very good point, yes. But they're they're already creditors in the sense that they're the slaveholder. So, you know, they're already creditors. So when the body dies, it is still a possession of the slave masters. And they still must serve his time. And even if they do allow some people to bury, which if you're poor, you can forget it. <laughs> They're not going to allow you to bury you. But, sir? Shalom. Is, I'm sorry. Uh, I oh. think the brother was first. So was the brother, some brother said something? Yeah, this is Brother Azim. Shalom, nation. Um, I want to put my two cents in this, and when I heard you stated this, I want to read this definition, and it's coming from the uh, United States uh, Military uh, Dictionary, and it states, deceased, a casualty status applicable to a person who is either known to have died, determined to have died on a basis of a conclusive Conclusive evidence, or to could be dead on a basis basis of presumptive finding of death. The recovery of remains is not a presumptive um, prerequisite Sorry. to determination or a declaration de- declaring a person deceased. So they're stating that even though someone one has has passed on, is not um, evidence. Um, stating that one is, is is literally dead. Yeah, that's so, correct. So, so basically, uh, excuse me, this is what I answer. So basically, um, the so so I'm just trying to understand that and and what's been said is those who are holding the um. Those, 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 those quote unquote on on record criminals. Uh, even though the body is dead, that information is not um, whatever income is being made off of that individual or, or or that quote unquote criminal. That income is still made even though the body is dead and gone. Yes. By the private prisons. Okay. Yes. They're literally paying. Go ahead, sister. Shalom. I just wanted to ask a uh, question, please. Um, Is that why, um, like with that young brother down in Georgia, Kendrick Johnson, I think it was, where they removed his body parts and stuffed his body with newspaper, they didn't find out until they exhumed him? Um, Is that why... They could kind of beat around the bush and make a farce out of finding out exactly who did that to his body because the body is basically still ward of the state. Um, That was question one. And then two, the second question is I remember you talking about when people are um, sentenced to exorbitant years in jail sentences and how those years 
basically be uh, become applicable to their offspring. So how does that work when the person that's deceased, say the say the father dies, um, and he had two hundred years or something, and he died, and only ninety were up, so he has a hundred and ten left, and he has a son, and they still own his body, but his son is his survivor. So how does how can they lawfully then pass on that sentence to where his seed has to fulfill the sentence and I yield. Well to deal with the first part that you said I think I need to know more about that actual situation but it sounds to me like um, that could be the case where um, they still have jurisdiction over the body. Now, l- listen, if the body is going to decompose, they're going to bury the body, okay? They're, they're going to bury the body. The, the question is, are they burying it um, in a graveyard of choice of your own, or are they going to hold the body in some type of, military or police burial ground or what have you. Now, I haven't heard of anybody's body that has been buried on any type of police burial ground or anything like that, but I have to chalk that part of what I'm stating up of more to an assumption as to a, that's definitely not a fact. What I'm saying is definitely not a fact about that, but how this works with offspring is very simple. If you have a male child, that male child is going to inherit the debt. And if if the body is going to decompose, they're going to actually um, bury this body or make sure that it's buried, and they're going to actually mathematically subtract the years of debt weighed against amount owed in fines for a crime. So for instance, if you owe like let's say murder is like uh first degree murder a million dollars plus twenty five years in jail. I'm just throwing something out. Understand the years add up to a dollar amount that is subtracted, it may or may not be. Let me make that clear. Because sometimes it's fines and jail time. Sometimes it's fines or jail time. Okay, so in the sense of fines or jail time, they'll do the math and subtract the years that uh, from the dollar amount owed in transfer that to the male offspring. So you're literally carrying debts that you do not know. You also carry wealth that you do not know. Most people are going to pretty much carry wealth that you do not know. Unclaimed monies. 
that you don't know. And I'm willing to bet that there's a number of people here, probably everybody here has some money somewhere that is that is lawfully and legally yours that you do not know about. We're going to be talking about that on Thursday. So you can go find it and claim it. If you had any relatives, grandfathers, grandmothers, um, even sometimes some of the things you've done in your past, old bank accounts, um, all types of stuff, man, and you have unclaimed monies laying around. Sometimes it's a lot of money. Sometimes it's a little bit of money. Sometimes it's 10 to $20. Sometimes it's a couple of thousand dollars. Sometimes it's tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, in this event where we're talking about debt, commerce, and what's going on here, the sins of the father are passed on to their children. The sins of the father visit the children. So if I say that in church, they think I'm talking about some spook out, some spooked out nonsense. But what does it really mean? A sin is a transgression. A sin is breaking the law. The scriptures are talking about government, law, and commerce. They are not talking about religion. That's people, that's foolish idolaters interpreting it that way. And you can see how sick they are to do something like that because it's not the same. So what this is talking about is your debts transfer, your commercial debts transfer over to your children. Now, it's got to be somebody on this line who's had a relative that's died and there are still bills to be paid and they somebody else has to handle them. Okay. Is this not true? Okay, it's the same way for nations. Okay, the difference with a nation, though, is that the nation is removed of its name. So, look, our people are stark raving mad. they like, oh, I hate the white man. Uh, he's the slave master and the raping devil. Right? Okay. What is the real reality? We broke the laws of God Almighty, which I'm going to say, I want to make this clear. You're breaking natural law. For instance, if you have an improper thinking habit, it produces a mental disease. It destroys your reasoning ability. It destroys your ability to make out fairy tales and fantasies from reality. <laughs> so the more you send your children to church and they learn about Santa Claus and Caucasian Jesus, and Easter bunnies laying chicken eggs. <laughs> and listen, this is the truth of my life. 
I didn't even realize till I was like probably 22 years old that East that they're portraying Easter bunnies laying chicken eggs. It didn't it didn't dawn on me. I never sat down and thought about it. But then I thought about it. How do rabbits give birth? They don't lay eggs. What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, what is this? Now, symbolically, we all know that there's Babylonianism, there's a Babylonian, you know, mythology, um, and all of that. Okay, we'll go into that later. But my point is, your reasoning ability. Nobody's coming down the chimney. Definitely no obese Caucasian man in the in the neighborhood in the ghetto is not coming down the goddamn chimney. Excuse me. Now, he might get shot or he might get robbed. And you know it. Negroes would be on the block just suited up waiting on Santa Claus if he was real. But yet, here, we have these false um, fairy tales that have destroyed people's reasoning ability. They keep thinking, and then if you grow up, oh, it's okay to, to practice Christmas. It's, it's a good holiday. It means well. I mean, yeah, in a sense, okay, it's good to give gifts. But let's look at the reality. It's destroying the people's reasoning ability, reasoning ability, then it's really psychologically twisting the minds of those who are non-Caucasians specifically, okay, because here again, the Caucasian man is a godlike figure who's going to give you gifts for being good. He's going to punish you for being bad. It's a Caucasian man. And Nicholas was a Negro, a Moor. <laughs> but anyway, so they're perpetrating a Caucasian godlike figure at the same time they're claiming a Caucasian Jesus. So they've set themselves up to be God in the, the image of God in the minds of of the masses of people on the earth. Everything that these people think of as God always goes back to a Caucasian man's image. Now, you accepting that begins to go against your natural thinking. So then the result is it starts to de destroy your reasoning ability to where it's more and more difficult to determine truth from falsehood. Okay, with that being said, Yakin, do you follow me? Brother Yakin, do you follow me? Uh, I follow you a little bit, not too much. Okay, what tell me what I'm missing here. What am I what am I losing you on? Explain that last part again when you were talking about this before um you stopped. Okay, yeah, I I kinda said that too 
long are elongated. All right, I'm talking about improper thinking habits. When you start to to accept things that are not real or true, fantasies and fables, and they start to destroy your reasoning and ability, and you can't make out truth from falsehood, and you don't realize that you can't anymore. So what I'm saying is improper thinking habits, the, the, the aftermath is a psychological impairment. Therefore, that is a transgression of the Most High's laws. Does that make sense, brother? Yeah, are you saying that at least two transgressions or improper um, thinking is a transgression? Improper thinking is a transgression. And the aftermath is a mental impairment. Because look at this. Look at this. Seriously. If you try to tell somebody that a Caucasian Jesus never existed, the real individual that he's supposed to be representing, we can prove he lived. We can prove he lived the life that they uh, are claiming now some of the stuff they say about him is not true, but for the most part, he existed. But beyond a shadow of a doubt, now whether you're supposed to worship him or not, that's a whole other issue. I'm saying the man existed. It is not even questionable. We see him on the back of coins. We see um, ancient pictures of him. I mean, come on, man. They have the death record of him. In Rome, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, what is wrong? But here's my point. Oh, Muhammad flew on a donkey over Mecca. Really? There's flying donkeys. Really? Listen, there's not flying donkeys. There's no flying donkey. People accepting. To believe that it is something wrong with you. Do you understand? <laughs> this is creative, figurative language. It's not meant to actually believe that a donkey flew in the air. But you can't get people to not believe it. No different than it's not meant for people to believe that Jesus actually physically walked on water. I'm sorry, but it's not what happened. That's not what happened. I'm not making mockery of anybody. I'm saying let's let's break this spell off of us. Seriously. Have has anybody ever tried to walk on water? No, that never happened. Anybody try? So, so if I tell you that I have walked on water, what would you say to me? Would anybody? What was some? Uh, let me see. Uh, Martavius, you on the line? Okay, DeShane, what would you say to me if I say I walked on water? 
Well, I would to I would ask you to prove it. <laughs> there you go. There I, I want to see it for myself. <laughs> okay. Now I'm going to tell you. Listen to me good. Everybody hear me clearly. I can walk on water, and I can show you how to walk on water. Just saying, now what would you say? Um, <laughs> well, show, I would say show me. Well, I would have to see proof. Okay. If I give you proof right now and you do it, would that convince you? I can tell you right now how to do it. I can tell you right now how to do it, and you can do it right now. Is there a lake or anything near you? <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> I'm being serious now. I'm I'm being dead serious. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, now listen. You if you have a you have a same mind because you said okay, prove it. Now listen. Here's the difference. A Hebrew knows what that meant when it was talking about walking on water. I'm going to tell you what my teacher told me. He said, the key to walking on water is to know where the stones are. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Yes. What what stones are we talking about? The stones that are underneath the water that you can step on. The key to walking on water is to know where the stones are. See, you can walk on the stones that are under the water, and it'll look like you're walking on the surface of the water. Okay, I see. You see? See, it's people's perception of what these words mean. It's people's perception. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're form of metaphoric um, um, phrases that, you know, they place in the scriptures, but people literally take them as face evidence stating that whatever they here they believe not understanding that they're really talking about a different um, format of how that happened, you know, to walking on water. Because you know what, Brother Priest, there's a, a guy from India that I listen to on my computer. He also speaks about that, about a man walking on water. He said all it is is a state of mind. That's all it is. It's just, it's just a way of one thinking. You know, it's no actual man walking on water. You know, it's just it's just someone messing with your mind. You gotta have a, a, a look outside the box, so to say. Well, hold your horses, brother. So my point to this is, you have to be able to reason through it. You have to be able to hear something, reason through it make sense out of it. And my point is, when you teach your children things that they can't make heads or tails out of or verify, 
as being real, it starts to impair their thinking. So you won't be able to see things that are right in front of your face. That is the key. That is the key. So, Brother DeShane, have you ever heard this story about uh, Muhammad flying on the donkey over Mecca? Have you ever heard that story? I've never heard that, not even from... Not even from the brothers that's in the in the religion of Islam. I never even heard that. I've heard of uh, Prophet Muhammad, so-called splitting the moon. They say that he did that, but I've never heard of that. Okay. Well, I've heard it before from a, a number of people in Islam, but. It's not to disrespect them. I'm saying um, our reasoning has to be repaired. It really has to be repaired. Sister Shanice, are you there? Yes. Okay. What What are your thoughts about this, sister? What I'm trying to as far as improper thinking, I see, like, the difference in between my children. My three oldest children always stay home with me. And I have my youngest one who goes to my mother's house a lot, and my mom was sent to Santa Claus, Easter, and all that. And um, my other children are saying, like, if they're not behaving right, they're going to lose privileges or this is going to happen as a consequence. And my other daughter, like, she'll put it in her head, well, you don't want me to do this because, well, she asked my brother, can I stay at night? He's like, no, you can't stay at your greenhouse anymore because you're not disciplined over there. And in her head, he didn't want her to stay because he wanted to play the game. And we're like, that has nothing to do with anything, but it, that's how she's thinking because over there, that's how they think. They teach children about Christmas and Easter and all these sort of fun things. So she didn't understand, but the other children kept telling her, like, no. Granny lets you do whatever you want to do. You're bad over there, and when you come back home, you're worse. So, understand. I'm glad you said that, sister, because that really, really, unfortunately, is true. Because, you know, when Christmas comes around, listen, I love Donnie Hathaway. I mean, he's one of the great R&B singers of all time, and he, uh, he did uh, This Christmas. The song this Christmas. I love that song. Grew up on it, all of that, right? But but the fact that it's speaking about Christmas, it's like you gotta really be careful in some of the imagery that children are exposed to. Cause there's somebody on the other side of this that is pushing this that understands what that's going to do to you mentally as a child. They understand it. Okay, now, when you have a people, an entire nation, let's look at Negroes in America. The entire, the mass majority of the body of Negroes in America, the famous ones specifically, do not promote any real um, 
things of substance in their images and their activities or anything. You got Colin Kaepernick. Football took the knee on the um, national anthem. He's one of very few that's standing for something of substance. So what we see is our people that are just conceding to following, you know, what's going going on out here. Well, our people's behavior reflects what they learn in these schools, on television, on radio. It reflects it. Our people's behavior is acceptable amongst us. The norm is harlotry, whoredom, drug abuse, sleeping around fornicating, murder is acceptable if we do it to one another. The Caucasian man kills a couple of Negroes. It's a big uproar. Negroes kill a hundred times more Negroes the night before. Nobody says anything. And if you tell Negroes, well, wait a minute. Every time, have you ever noticed anybody that points this out to Negroes? Wait a minute. What about all the murders we're doing in the inner city? Oh, what you got to bring that up for? It's not relevant. What? It's not relevant. All right. Now look, our people. Accepted at one time fantasies and fairy tales and destroyed our reasoning ability. We start to defend things that make no sense. And we, just like we do today, we defend a Jesus that they can't even validate with the book they claim to love. They can't even pull that Caucasian Jesus out of the book that they claim that, he, that is, he's in. And they will, they will call for your death if you go against that Jesus. They know nothing about it, about who he, that picture really is, know nothing about it, but yet they will hate your guts if you speak against it. Do you understand that's got to be something mentally wrong with you? Anytime, it, it, listen, an intelligent Mm-hmm. should know, shut your mouth if you don't know what you're talking about. Shut your mouth. Don't try to hold a conversation. Don't try to act like you know what you're talking about. Admit that you don't know. Keep your mouth shut and listen. If you don't agree, leave it alone. But what idiot has it in their mind that they have to conversate and act like they know what they're talking about when they know that they don't. That's something really wrong here. Brother DeShane, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, um, it's funny because one of my younger brothers, um, 
I was just talking to him about the same thing because he likes to um, go on YouTube and 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 he just started thinking he knows the truth and stuff. He was basically saying he he knows more than me and he got the truth because he uh will go on um, YouTube and uh, look at other brothers on there that's talking about other things. And I will ask him and talk to him and ask him, does he know what that means and stuff like that? But And he can never explain it. So it's kind of like he's just, he shouldn't be talking about things he don't he doesn't know and understands, especially when he hasn't done the research and stuff like that. So it's kind of like I say he it's kind of dumb for him to even speak on things that you don't know. And he tried to tell other people that they're wrong when he can't even explain them himself. So I kind of was just going through that with a brother. So I do understand. Yeah, and and what's even worse is those same kind of people will be so angry with you and want to cause harm against you all in the name of their, of their so-called truth. Is something really not right about that? Is 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 not right. So here's what happens. Nature sees that these such such individuals can't make heads or tails of truth versus falsehood. So the multi almighty punishes them. Now, the commercial aspect of it, in law, a slave cannot actually possess property. I know that they think that they do. I'm going to try to explain how they don't. If you have a car that you are paying on, apparently it's easy to see whoever you're paying, it's their car. You're just using it and paying them. But yet, you go ask somebody and they claim it is their car and they get upset at the challenge of that thought. Okay, let's say now you paid the car off. A slave cannot be the possessor of property. When I'm using this term possessor, I'm talking about possessorship rights. I'm not talking about somebody that has physical custody. What's really happening is anybody heard that possession is nine-tenths of the law? Anybody heard that? Yes, sir. Yeah, I heard that. Okay. Okay, so let me show you. I'm really going to have to take time on this because I see that 
it's not coming out clear enough to me, but so just be patient with me, please. Just follow me. Anybody here got a car that's paid off? I do. I do. Okay. In our minds, I paid that car off. So if I use the terms possessorship, you think, well, I got physical possessorship over this car and I paid it off. Okay. Now here's what's really going on. Possessorship is not custody. You have custody over that car. That is not possessorship. The next thing is, The real title holders are the state. So if you're in, well, I'm in Texas. If I had a car that I purchased in Texas and paid it off, which I do, the difference is, am I in custody of it? Or do I have possessorship rights? Okay. It might be a little hard to understand, but I'm going to try to explain it. Um, A slave master is a possessor. That's basically it. You might be in custody of the car. But it belongs to the slave master, even though it's paid off. And the reason how you really know is if you come up with a debt, come up with a debt, let somebody pull you into a bankruptcy court or some type of possessor challenge. First thing they do is they look at your assets, they see how much it's worth, and then they go into action. Okay, well, this is worth such and such amount of dollars. You owe me such and such amount of dollars. Matter of fact, they just did this to somebody. Uh, hold on. In favor of a Negro, let me let me try to find this one moment. Um, brother Freeze. Ma'am. This is Sister Crystal. Uh, yeah. I'm in the insurance industry, so when you said that it reminded me of something, we have a type of coverage called garage keepers, and that's when you, whatever they have that you own is under their care, custody, and control. So. That would be considered sort of like a garage key. You're just holding it for someone else. And with that, I yield. Whoa. Wow. That's great. Thank you for that, sister. Okay, listen. Oh, shoot. I just lost it. U.S. Marshals, hear me good, seize Florida deputies' property to pay expenses for man he put in a wheelchair, and it looks like the man he put in a wheelchair is a Negro. Hmm. 
Okay, let me say it again. The U.S. Marshals seized a Florida deputy's property to pay for the man he put in a wheelchair. Now, there's a lot to that. I'm just scratching the surface here. But look, they seized his property. What will happen to you if you don't know what you're doing out here? They will seize your property. If you injure somebody and put them in a wheelchair, for God's sakes, you're supposed to be able to, to do something to restore that man. You're supposed to do something for him, for God's sake. But my point is you are a custodian. Well, I got to keep it real. In law, you are a custodian to your own children. Seriously. Salam, my priest. Sir. Uh, is that why reason why Sir, uh, Venus Williams, because she didn't sign up or she didn't have valid license or uh, uh, I think it was insurance or something, she didn't have a license or something, her license was suspended. That's why she just had to pay civil fees because somebody died, but it was, she wasn't in fault, but she atoned for her uh, not having the uh, license and, the, and everything with that idea. If she's not at fault, yes, that is the reason. I don't know enough about that story, but if she's not at fault, if she, if she did not cause that accident, um, she's not at fault. I'm saying if she's not at fault, you're 100% correct. She'd have to pay the, the fees and the fines because of that. Now, she had to do something to atone, um, but it's civil. Like you're saying, yes. But so so that we don't get too far off. I'm trying to establish here. Let's look. Let's look at this. The relationship here. If you break a law today, there's a fine and jail time, or there's a fine or jail time, prison time. Okay. If you break a law of God Almighty, there's a fine and there's a prison time. The prison time is slave's bond servant status. Why? Because you're supposed to, if you harm someone, injure someone, you're supposed to Work that debt off with them. You're supposed to restore them to where to the condition they were in. So if you if you knock over you run over somebody's fence with your car, you're supposed to pay for that fence to get fixed. Now that's built inside of everybody. Everybody knows. Oh man, I I ran over his fence. Man, I I need to pay for that. That's actual. Law. Okay. So that's commercial. 
you ran over the fence, you broke the law, there's a commercial aspect to it. You're a liar. You broke the law. There's a commercial aspect to it. You're an adulterer, a fornicator. Broke the law. There's a commercial aspect to it. If you do this as an entire nation and your entire body of people will not bring themselves to justice, the only thing that can happen is somebody that is foreign to you will do it. And I'm telling you that that is what happened to us beyond the shadow of a doubt. It's what keeps happening to us. But I wonder, listen, um, tigers and lions don't get along. Or better yet, tiger lions' prides don't get along with other lions' prides. Okay? They don't get along. In that situation, it's the same thing as what we live. Now, you ask yourself, if one lion's pride has an enemy in another lion's pride, do you really expect justice for your cubs to be administered by the enemy lion's pride? Do you really expect real justice to be administered by any enemy, period? So what must you do? You must administer it yourself and stop crying and whining about why you can't. And if you expect these people to miraculously treat you better. I mean, they don't have to do all the wickedness they do, but since they do, you better understand you should expect it. They have no right ruling over your babies or you. It is wrong by nature. Now, they only have a right if you are a slave to them. They, let me clear that up. If you are their slave, yeah. If you're a bond servitude because the Most High put you there, yeah, they have a right then. But my point is, it's not what, what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be governing yourself. It, 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 listen, if somebody's beating on you and killing you, you're supposed to leave them the hell alone and go take care of yourself. But why would you? Why would you go march? and cry and pick it. We want to be more involved with you murderers. We want to be equal to you murderers. Do you see how crazy this sounds? We want to, we want to, okay, we're living in your basement or your mansion, but we want equal rights to go through your private master bedroom into your drawers and your closet. We want to be able to sleep. I want to put my bed 
in your master bedroom. Are you crazy? And and what I'm saying is the solutions that we're coming up with as a people is like, oh, the white man is evil. Well, I mean, really, just really, if you're that foolish to stay under this evil one's rule and just do nothing but complain, you can't be mentally right. Forgive me for how I'm saying this, but, Yakin, does that make sense, brother? What do you think about that? Excuse me. What do you think about that, brother? Uh, yes, sir. It make a, a lot of sense to me. And I truly, from what you're saying, it truly just seems like our, our people don't try to, don't try to actually think of, don't try to think of a wise and proper way to actually handle ourselves because it is crazy that um, that they are, when something happens in our um, community or, you know, us as a whole, they'll march and they'll have signs and they'll try to stand and block the road off and all kind of stuff, right? And then they want to be equal and want justice and all that. But then soon as the guy killed the other guy down the street over some Jordans, nobody say nothing. They don't want to snitch. They don't say nothing. They don't even go talk to the young man about it. They don't do nothing about it at all point blank. And so it makes sense to me that our people, our people mindset is in a real serious condition. In a real serious condition, and it's not a good condition. And um, even like the day uh, at work, someone asked me, well, two people asked me what I'm going to do for the 4th of July, and I said, nothing, going to work. And they're like, why? And I'm like, for what? What reason why I got to celebrate the 4th of July? So you don't celebrate the 4th of July? I said, no. And, and it, was, it was acting like I was crazy because I tell them, no, I don't celebrate the 4th of July. Like, I don't have no reason to do that. And so, so yeah, I totally understand um, what you're coming from and what that is. Okay, and my point to it is, listen, that's improper thinking. If if seriously, if ants, if roaches, flies, you try to swat at them, they know to run, and Negroes don't. When 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 an insect knows you're trying to kill it, it's trying to get the hell away from you, and Negroes don't. They don't know this. What I'm saying is, look, look, listen. If these people are as as evil as they are being claimed to be by our people, and I'm not saying they're good people, if they're that evil, why the hell do you send your babies to their schools? See, it's because at first we don't have a choice because we don't know any better. The more we educate ourselves and grow, then we start looking to pull our children away from them, from their children, from their schools. That shows somebody with some common sense that's thinking that way. Now, there are all alternatives. If you don't have a choice but for your child to be in the school, you bring that child home and educate them when they come home from that school. Okay, so if they have to be there right now, until you get more education, fine. But you take them and sit them down and you teach them some real substance. 
okay? So I don't want to just villainize everything these people are doing because everything they're doing is not as wicked as we make it out to be. But I'm just saying for those that are in that state of mind, when it doesn't, where it's not even a, a thought in your mind to get away, it's not even a thought. Your first thought is to pick it, march, complain, cry, whine. That's your first thought, and that's the extent of all that you do. Then all you do is go on social media and complain how wicked the white man is. Oh, look how evil these police are. I mean, come on. Until we get it in our minds, we have to rely on one another, and we have to build a nation of our own. Anybody that is not thinking like that, you're going to see them get knocked off continuously. You're going to see them continue to die. That does not mean that you have to live in this United States in fear or you have to live in anguish. The more you come into your own and to yourself, the more other people respect you. I'm in Austin, Texas. My consort, me and Sister Torah, we've gone out to very, it's a whole lot of Caucasians out here. We go to various restaurants. We go to places uh, periodically, and we are respected. By all, and there's a lot of different types. There's Africans. There's Chinese. There's uh, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Caucasians, all around this, this whole entire city. And everywhere we go, we are respected. We're not mistreated, we're not looked at funny. If anything, these people love us, and they're shocked to talk to us. Because I know it's in the back of their mind. You all are not like normal niggers. <laughs> I know that's in the back of their mind. All right. If you can see what I'm laying out here, a transgression it's commercial. When you accept a contract with a mate and you consummate, you're intimate, that is commercial. One of the definitions of commerce is sex. Contract. Intimacy is a contract, and it is not a game. It is serious. Everything is commerce. Now, with that being said, how are you going to be treated in the times of crisis? is first how you conduct yourself, the very vibration of your soul. Don't walk around hateful. Don't walk around 
a bigot and a racist towards Caucasians or anybody else. Don't carry that hate vibration. That's the first thing people are going to pick up on is your vibration. If they start to check and run your name, here's what they're looking for. If they can't tell by the way that you dress, by your dress code, they're going to run your name. And they're looking to see, here's the key word, they're looking to see if you belong to somebody civilized. If you belong to a group of people who are civilized. A group of people who are civilized, if you kill one of them, they know exactly what to do. And that is to come after you commercially. And trust it when I tell you, when you come after somebody commercially, that means that could be in civil or criminal court, that could be in any other kind of way, but when you come after them commercially, you're going to get remedy, and you're going to cause them some real pain. Like, look. Can you imagine being a police officer, kill a Negro, and then the next day you go to prison? If they would, if that happened more and more and more, you would see that stop. A Negro kills a Negro, he automatically is going to prison. A Caucasian police officer kills a Negro, he may or may not go to prison. To hurt them, the goal is not really to try to hurt them, but it, it well, the result is hurting them. It's commercial. What is your status? Who do you belong to? What do you know about what the hell is really going on on earth? It's not all this praying to these statues and these false religions. There's not all these fairy tales that they've got people believing. Magic carpet rides and walking on water and all of that stuff. I don't care if it's Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, Hebrewism, Christianity. I don't care what it is. If it's full of metaphors and, and stuff that makes no damn sense in reality, is is idolatry. It's either idolatry or it's a principle behind a story that you're trying to convey. But it's most likely going to be idolatry. When you're dealing with this, that means understand we broke the laws of God Almighty. We got cast into slavery and we're under a commercial status of what they call taxpayer slash bond servant 
slave. It's okay to be a bond servant, slave. You're guilty. Our forefathers are guilty. Serve your time correctly. It's not easy. It doesn't always feel good. But you have to serve your time honorably. So when your outdate comes, and our outdate came, we're stating 2012, really 2011. Why? I'm saying 2011 because it is 400 years after the printing of the 1611 Bible. 1611 plus 400 equals 2011. That was our outdate. We got to educate our people on what the hell is really going on. We had Queen Elizabeth II come to America to set us the hell free. Twice. And our people are so far off did not know that that's what she was doing. They did not know. When she first took office in the 60s, she tried to free us. We did not know. Our time hadn't been fulfilled with our creator, so we shouldn't have known anyway. But my point is she tried. She tried again 50 years later. 2010, she tried to free us. We did not know. In order to go free, it should make common sense that you gather yourselves together as a nation and as a government. Do you think you can get reparations to a bunch of people who identify as colors with a color of black and no history of anything being done wrongfully to them? Black people are a status of something that is despicable. It is not a nation. It is not a body of people with a history that they can connect themselves to. Shane, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I understand that, uh, from what we did, um, our breaking of the laws 
put us in this position. And uh, I, I, I'm just, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just kind of taking it all in. I kind of, I just really understand that we basically have to get back into our nationality and, and just come out of her. Yes, sir. That's right. Now, this is like, let's make it a little more simple. If you have a man, a woman, and children in one home, in one household, okay, if you have them in a household, and those that are in their household, all of them participated in crimes, and they were sitting around, and they were getting away with it. Nobody was saying anything to them. And then finally their crimes caught up to them. So now it's time for them to pay. If they specifically, if they specifically did something, you shouldn't blame their next-door neighbors for what they did. It's not their next-door neighbor's fault. It's their fault. They're the criminal. Okay. But anybody that's in that home that is a blood relative is responsible. That is what happened to Negroes. They did not mistakenly go arrest the next-door neighbor for what your bloodline did. There was not a mistake. It wasn't, I'm going to just go over here and pick up any dark-skinned individual on the west coast of Africa. No. They removed us of our names. What the names we had before we took on Smith, Jones, Johnson, Jackson, Parker, before we had those names, we had Hebrew names, and if you check the census, the United States census of any census in any state of any court, any census records of slaves, do this and you're going to find what I'm telling you. You're going to find that they all had Hebrew names. Not one of them had an African name. <laughs> and when I'm saying Hebrew names, I'm, I'm saying you got to understand language. They were Hebrew names in English sometimes, but they were Hebrew names. Like, how many people know who? How many people know somebody named Keisha? Hey, I was just thinking the name. <laughs> That's the artist truth. <laughs> okay. That's my sister's name, actually. Okay. Why do you think she's named Keisha? The real truth is, has anybody heard of a a, a, a food called Keish? Anybody heard that food? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard of that. Do you know quiche is a Hebrew meal? Is a Hebrew food? It's spelled differently than quiche. It's spelled differently, but it's a Hebrew food. Shepherd's pie is a Hebrew food. 
Okay, but wait, let me go back to Keisha. Anybody heard of somebody, a, a sister name or a brother named Marquise? Yeah. Yeah. Marcus, Marquise, Keisha. How about Gina, Regina? Anybody heard anybody name those things? Yeah. Okay. They're common names in amongst us, right? Do you know all of those names are Hebrew names? Look up Regina. Look up Keisha. You know La means the in certain language, certain languages. I'm not going to tell you what these these names mean. Look them up. <laughs> Marquise. Marcus is a derivative of Marquise. Morris. Morris and Maurice. Look these names up. Then you, of course, you know Saul. Do you know how many? Do you know how many Latinos got the name Saul? <laughs> I mean, it's that's commonplace among them. Okay. Um, there's all to all these names that we're wearing today. All our Hebrew names, our first names, anyway. You can trace them back. Now, I don't know every single name of everybody here, but obviously, if you got Andrew, I mean, there's an Andrew in the Bible. <laughs> okay, I mean, trust me, you can find your, if it's not you, look up the names of your mother's fathers, aunts, uncles, grandfathers, grandmothers. Look up their first names. And you're going to find that they, they go back to some Hebrew words and Hebrew terms. And then you're going to find James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Although those are quote-unquote English, Greek, some people think they're Hebrew, they're Hebrew names, man. That's because the people that they went over there and got from the west coast of Africa were Hebrews. It was not a mistake. They did not go over there and get Hamites. They did not go looking for Hamites. It was the Hamites, the so-called black people Hamites, Africans, that pointed us out. We were on the birth records while we were enslaved to Africans as being Israelites. This is not a mistake. It is not a belief system. It is not a religion. It is facts in history. We were hiding amongst these other people, these Africans. But we set up our own kingdom on the west coast of Africa called Judah. Anybody heard of Juju music? Anybody heard of that? Yes, sir. I never heard it, but I heard of it. Well, there's juju music with these juju drums. Well, they're not called juju drums, but it's, it's heavy percussive music. It is extremely danceable even today. But it's the West Coast of Africa juju music. And they called it juju. It's like they start playing this music and then, 
They're like they're doing the juju, dancing the juju. Like we dance the jig. <laughs> juju music, J-U-J-U. The, the west coast of Africa had a kingdom called the kingdom of Judah. They came, they came right over there to the west coast of it. Matter of fact, E.K., what do you know about it? Long, uh, yeah, um, the kingdom of Judah was actually, they had a different pronunciation. It was, it was Oida, which was spelled O. U I D A or something like that, but in the old, old, old West African maps, they actually show it. Like you can actually see it. It's like and today it would be like um it's like it's kinda like in the areas of like the homie, that type of area back then when um those old maps was was being assembled. But yeah. There was, a, there was various kingdoms. There was the Shanti Empire. There was the Oyo Empire. There was a bunch of empires all over West Africa during, like, the within the uh, 14th century, 13th century. Even it, It's funny because that was around the same period that our other brothers were ruling in, in Spain, and we happened to take West Africa, so... You know, that was something that um, definitely was occurring during that time period. Now, I went to E.K. because E.K.'s uh, mother and father are from Nigeria. Okay, so E.K., when he came to the nation, you know, I knew him before he tried to officially join. He was friends with one of our members, uh, Brother Patrice. But E.K. went and uncovered evidence of his people that were in Nigeria that are proven to be Israelites. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. But here's my here's my other point. Listen to me good. They had birth certificates during the time of the slave trade. The birth certificates denoted that these were Israelites. The people that they took into captivity were Israelites. You know how you go to jail and they run your fingerprints, look up your name, and they tell you exactly who you are? Okay, let's get it. They did the same thing 500 years ago. I hope you all. Shalom, sir. May may I ask a question? Yes, ma'am. I remember reading, doing this report for SSR News where it was talking about Ligroid and Africoid, according to science, is not the same. And it was an article posted on the Library of Congress. Well, no, yeah, libraryofcongress.org. And it went into detail about the Canaan. Canaan Bantu, I think it, they were calling it. Uh, I may have Canaan Bantu, I think they call it, or the Pygmy people, that they did this this um, university in the southern middle 
Midwest, Southern Midwest states, some universities in the Southern Midwest states um, were doing DNA testing, and they wanted to see if they could find basically a genetic marker um, that would went back further than the one that they had, right? So basically it says that, um, it says Negro and Afroid differences according to a report uh, sourced from the World Heritage Encyclopedia posted on worldpubliclibrary.org titled Afroid Race. There are physical, historical, and genetic. That's not what I'm looking for. Okay. Um, it says the report goes on to state Negroids, also known as Congoids, which the Congo is right there on West Africa, right, is a term that is used by some forensic and physical anthropologists to refer to individuals and populations that share, share certain morphological and skeletal traits that are generally associated with black African ancestry. Negro, the base of the word, means black in Spanish, and the suffix oid means resembling, translating literally to black resemblance. In the 19th century and first half of the 20th century, the traditional subraces of the Negroid race were regarded as being the Nilotic or Sudanic race, also called West African, all those belonging to the Niger-Congo peoples who are not Bantus but the Bantu race, the Pygmy race, and the Koshin Hottentots and Bushmen, which later were termed the Capoid race. Negroid is one of the three general racial classifications of humans, Caucasoid, Mongoloid, and the other two. Under this classification scheme, humans are divisible into broad subgroups based on phenotype characteristics such as cranial and skeletal morphology. Later extensions of the terminology, such as Carlton S. Kuhn's origin of race, place the theory in an evolutionary context. Kuhn divided the Homo sapiens species five ways, Caucasoid, Capoid, Congoid, Australoid, and Mongoloid, based on timing of each taxon evolution from Homo erectus. That's when man started, according to them, standing up straight. Positioning the Capoid race, as a separate racial entity and labeling the two major divisions of what he called the Congoid race as the African Negroes and the Pygmies. He divided indigenous Africans into two distinct groups based on their date of origin and loosened classification for mere appearance. Luigi Luca Calvelli Sforza, the Italian geneticist, agreed with Kuhn twofold division, pointing out that the pygmies have a very different genetic signature than other black Africans. So they must have originally had their own now unknown language, but have since adopted the language of the Bantu peoples around them. The term Negroid is now under attack, however, because some scholars have recommended that it would be it be avoided in scientific writings because of its association with racism and race science. 
specifically in the context of the African-American civil rights movement for racial equality. However, Negro and Negroid are terms still being used in forensic, craniometry, and epidermiology sciences. Um, and then it says that NBC, uh, there's a comic law session of NBC News where you can find an article called African-American Y Chromosome Spark Shift in Evolutionary Timetable. And that's really interesting that I, I reported on this. I reported on this March 29th of 2016, and there's a petition on change.org for 2020 to stop them from removing Negro as a racial classification on birth certificates and on the, the census. But this this uh this article in the comic law section of NBC News says that African American Y chromosome spark shift in evolutionary timetable. Spearheaded by Michael Hammer and Fernando Mendez, researchers of evolutionary biology at the University of Arizona, these scientists say an African American male's odd genetic signature suggests that the human Y chromosome lineage goes back further in time than they perhaps wait than they thought perhaps due to interbreeding with other populations such as Neanderthals. This study is published in the American Journal of Human Genetics. The study focuses on the analysis of DNA sample that was obtained from an African American living in South Carolina and submitted to the Genographic Project, a national geographic effort aimed at mapping human origins, and migration. The funny thing about the sample is that it didn't match up with any, with any of the previous known genetic signatures for the Y chromosomes, which is passed down from father to son. Nobody expected to find anything like this, Hammer said. Fernando compared this African-American male Y chromosome to more than 240,000 base pairs. A comparison of the differences between the mystery genetic signature and previous known signatures led the team to conclude that the most recent common ancestor for the entire group lived about 338,000 years ago. That goes back further than the fossil record goes for anatomically modern humans. The researchers followed up on their discovery by searching through a genetic database to African populations and turned up 11 men from Western Cameroon who had virtually the same genetic signature. According to Wikipedia, Cameroon is a country in West Africa. It's bordered by Nigeria to the west, Chad to the northeast, Central Africa, African Republic to the east, to the uh, excuse me, Chad to the Northeast, Central African Republic to the East, and Equatorial Guinea, Gabon, and Republic of Congo to the South. Cameroon's capital is Yaoundé, and its coastline lies on the bright bite of bony part of the Gulf of Guinea and the Atlantic Ocean. So, Sunisa, can you send that when you get a chance to Brother Andrew, please? Yes, sir. I'll, I'll type it up. Yes, sir. I yield. Thank you. So, 
It's not a mistake. It's not a bunch of so-called Africans lumped in together and Caucasians just came over there and started grabbing everybody. That's not what happened. It was a specific group of people. They had birth records. They knew exactly who they were, and those so-called Africans knew that they were not selling their own people into slavery. They knew that. They knew that you and I are different than them. That's why you never hear a fuss coming from them about their long-lost brothers and sisters over here in America. They don't confront the U.S. because they know that we're not the same bloodline. My point is it was not a mistake. Our people transgressed the laws. We got put into slavery because it was divine. That's the truth. With that, there is an ancient practice of the removal of the last name, the replacement of the last name with a slaveholder's last name. The slaveholder becomes responsible for those whom they place their names on. They reap the benefits commercially. So when you go to work and you get taxed, the estates of the slaveholders get portions of your tax money. Now, as horrible as that sounds, unfortunately, it's true. However, we're supposed to know that, and we're supposed to talk, be taught by our forefathers our mothers and fathers, when I say forefathers, I don't mean men all. I mean mothers and fathers. We're supposed to be taught by our mothers, our foremothers and fathers these things. And to be very honest, really, it's the woman's responsibility to teach it to the children from the time they are knee-high to the time they're 13 years old. That's how it's really supposed to go. You're supposed to teach the children in the womb, but they're not going to be able to, like, comprehend your words. They will understand your your vibrations, yes. You teach them in the womb. You teach them. It's the woman's responsibility to teach them up to the age of 13, and then there the man is supposed to step in and start teaching them. Other things, other different things that the mother... Uh, doesn't teach them, like, you know, other different disciplines. Let me put it to you that way. It is 
supposed to be taught. When you get in trouble, this is what's going to happen to you. And this is how you're going to get out of it. You're going to straighten your act up, get your behavior together, and get back on your path, your laws, your statutes, your commandments. Now, you don't do that? Well, as long as you refuse to do that, you're going to keep on being in this condition. And if you don't want to get out of this condition, you're going to keep on dying one after another until you wake the hell up and handle your own business. You chump Negro men, stand the hell up and get a spine. Don't be these weak, pushover pacifists. That doesn't mean you got to walk around with hate. That's not what it means. Strength, intelligence, conviction. So let's look at it again. Once they take you under their custody, they have to denote on public record who you are, where you came from, and why you are held in this uh, commercial status of taxpayer bond service late. So, if you get what I'm saying here, upon a crisis, they're going to look at your behavior. They're going to look at your name. They're going to run your name, and they're going to try to verify if you belong to somebody. If you owe them debts, they're going to deal with you on that. They're going to utilize you as their collateral. We don't want to owe them any debt. We don't want to owe them a stinking quarter, if it at all possible. But as I stated before, if you cannot help it, I don't want anybody to, to panic. This is not to cause you to, to go into some doomsday panic mode, no. If you cannot help it, make sure that they owe you more than you owe them. Now, from a practical perspective, you should be able to see, if you start thinking this is all about somebody's emotions and somebody hating you, if you leave, excuse the terminology, if you leave God out, if you leave the law out of it, if you don't think practically, you're not going to get how you can easily come out of their clutches in any crisis. So, well, actually, hold on. Let me see. Sister Shanice, is this making any sense to you?
Sister Shanice, are you there? Maybe she's not there. Are you on mute? Uh, well, I don't know if she's there. Brother Deshane, is it making any sense to you? Yes, it is. We gotta um, we gotta understand that we gotta understand the law first and foremost. Understand who we are, and we gotta use the law to get get out of this and to conduct ourselves and basically get on our get on a better path. That's right, brother. You guys change your behavior, correct your behavior, correct your thinking. And that's not as easy as it sounds, but it's not as hard as we make it. But we have got to change. We have got to come together. We've got to work together. So here's the individuals that in the nation that you need to turn to and contact in any emergency situations that if you cannot contact Brother Priest and if we don't have some type of concise measures of how we're going to handle certain situations, you need to make sure that you are aware of how to contact Shedrick. And I'm saying his name properly. It's Shedrick. So please don't mispronounce his name. S-H-E-D, Shedrick. But we have it broken down into regions, okay? But I'm not going to go into regions right now. Shedrick. Robert Lynn, Minister Shedrick, Minister Robert, I mean, excuse me, Minister Lynn and Diplomatic Officer Robert. Those, and of course myself, those are the first line of individuals that we must contact. Well, also Ema, excuse me. Because Ema is the mother of the nation, and then she is um, overseeing admissions. So, so they said Shedrick, Minister Lynn, Diplomatic Officer Robert, and Ema? Correct. Correct. So you make sure you reach out to them individually and you find for yourself a means of contacting them. Now, technically, I could do it for you, but you know what? I just really started to come into a broader awareness, and this is what I mean. The only way we're going to really start relying on one another is to rely on one another. I'm not saying reach out to somebody and get in all their personal business. I'm not saying get in their personal business and all of that. I'm saying know 
who we are and how we need to conduct ourselves. We got to be orderly and we got to follow instruction in times of crises. A couple of years ago, we had a, a, what I would call a summit, a nation summit, which was, I mean, it wasn't like we all met up somewhere, but um, there was a government shutdown that happened in 2013. So during that time proceeding, leading up to it, we had survival, um, a survival summit, if you would. During that time, we discussed coordinates of exactly where to go to reach somebody physically. That it was recorded, so I'm going to probably just bring that back out. Um, so everybody can hear it, but we issued things that you need to have in storage for times of emergency. It is important that you know who to rely on. And I'm telling you, sure as my name is Brother Priest, I'm telling you. Others. Brother Priest. Now, yes, sir. Oh, what's in the stairs? It's going to Okay, what part did what do you what did I last say that you heard? There's a recording of the coordinates and it's important that we um get get to know of each other and we can take instructions from each other. Yes. So, so I'm saying those are the first those are the first couple of ones. The ones that will be underneath them will be Andrew E.K., Ra'amya, those would be the next ones. These are our, our brothers in our Fishers of Men Outreach Program. Now, how do, Brother Priest, how do we, um, how do we get in contact with these brothers and sisters? Going to the university, they're all in there. So when you go in there, you know, you can send them an inbox. I got to explain to you also what we're doing right now. I'm setting this all up so that we can all see something that's that's going on. Um, I'm trying to move everyone to... Uh, one group of nation lessons right now because of the times that we're in. So whereas we've been having the separate classes where we have our class system is Cedar Thought Entry Class, 
Nucleus is the next level. Then Aboriginal Academy is the next level for that, broken into three degrees. First degree, second degree, third degree. So right now, because of the times we're in, I'm trying to make sure that we have a nation lesson on survival and what we're doing right now as a nation to make this crossover. And the crossover I'm talking about is beginning to officially um, remove our people from taxation and from other economic um, situations. Here's, Here's what we're trying to do. For those who don't have businesses, don't know how to start a business or run a business, we're going to provide some education on that. But we're also opening up to the nation. I'm trying to get us there within this semester to where we're all going to be able to bring in additional revenue, residual passive revenue revenue now here's why we need industry in order to be a nation we need industry any every nation needs an industry but we also need you as an individual to be able to free yourself up from your nine to five and relax your mind a little bit. Now, what it's going to take is a collective effort for us to move as one so that we can have products and opportunities for you as an individual to make some extra revenue. Now, what I mean is, look, you should be able to be at home, raise your children, and have some have a business that you're doing of your own that you can raise your children in and give them positions in your business, and they can you're leaving them something. If something goes wrong, you, you're leaving them education and a future. You can't leave them a job. <laughs> you can't leave them a job. But you can damn sure create one for them that they can rise up in and, and, and rule in. Because you can best believe Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, none of them are going to make our people heirs or CEOs of their companies. It's not going to happen. They're going to leave it to their children. Well, you and I have the responsibility to do the same. So the reason why we're going over this is because we have to start eliminating your debts. you got to start working on that so that you do not owe these bastards more than they owe you. Now, they're not the big bad demon 
that we should be scared of like so many people try to profess. But this is one thing for sure. There's nothing to fear, but there ain't nothing to play with either. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, on Thursdays, what we've been doing is going over some steps that we're going to use to uplift this nation and every individual in it out of your immediate condition economically. And as you go over the next couple of, of, of weeks or whatever, you'll see what I mean. So what I'm going to do is inside the university, I'm going to bridge everybody into one class. This is the first time I've done this. Although this this is the new version of our university, I'm still rebuilding it. This is the first time I've done this, but we're going to get all on one accord. That means if we produce a product, so I used this example this past Thursday. If we use a product such as Matthew, who's in the third degree, he has Judah soaps. That means we produce the Judah soaps. The entire nation can sell them. You can sell them directly. I'm using this as an example. Sell them directly or you can sell them through social media and online without even trying. Just, hey, check out this. Point people to it. So we have a system that designates who you are. So if you are on your social, that's why I started off talking about Facebook today, by the way. If you start off and you say, you put out on your Facebook, on your social media, hey, check out this product. We've assigned a number of people. We did this last year, so some of you don't have this. But we assigned numbers, reference numbers for individuals so that if somebody gets a product from you, they put your reference number in it, you get a kickback. So sometimes it'll be a few dollars. Sometimes it'll be more than a few dollars. But collectively, the problem that we don't understand, the reason why so many people struggle economically, our people, is because you're not working collectively with a body of people. You have to work collectively. Collectively is the key. See, when you buy in bulk, prices are cheaper. Everybody knows that. Well, guess what? They buy cars in bulk. They buy houses in bulk. They buy whatever in bulk. Every other nation does this but us. Therefore, they're able to secure these properties, secure all the things from food to clothing to whatever they need. They purchase in bulk, whereas us, we struggle to come up with a few little dollars to get some pampers for the baby. <laughs> Well, how about if we collectively go purchase or even make our own, manufacture our own pampers for pennies on the dollar? But my point is, this is why I'm talking this way, because I'm I'm going to be moving us, I'm trying to move us all into one nation uh, movement education to actually go to the next level and crossover. It is our time. 
Some of you are new, I understand. But some higher power called you here. You got here by divine inspiration. You heard something. You felt something. And you knew something was different about this body of people. Well, I'm telling you, you really don't get just yet the influence that we have had this small group of people on this planet because we have people in Central South America, the United Kingdom, Canada, and all over the United States. We have people all over the planet. Now, how in the world do we reach Andrew? He's in Canada. How do we reach Chris King? He's in the United Kingdom. How do we reach these people? Xavier in, in South America. In, in How do we reach these people? It's because there's a truth coming out of us that they that is not coming out of somewhere else. And we're not here to try to prove something to somebody, to try to challenge them and beat them out. Hey, I know more than you. We're not here for all of that. We're here to do the real work of the Most High God Almighty. That's love, respect, and support one another. It ain't no big mystery. It ain't like something that's impossible, damn it. It's very possible, and it's very simple. We just got to come together and do it. So, if you can be there on Thursdays, please be there on Thursday because we're gathering everybody up to issue identification so that you can have an ID that will uh, denote that you belong to somebody. That's important. Shalom, please, I have to sign out. I am just getting on the train, getting off work, and traveling home. So I will speak to everybody on Thursday from on Wednesday. Shalom. Shalom. So if you're following me, if you are, I'm not going to be much longer anyway. But I wanted to make sure that you don't go into the seat. My fear is that you go into... ID, paperwork, um, nationality. You go into that not understanding the ramifications and the power of why and how this works. When you can go to a judge, look, when you go to prison, right, what the judge is looking for is reformation in your behavior. When they see that, they give you time served, and they let you out early. When the Most High sees that, you get time served, and the knowledge returns to you of how you're really supposed to get out of this. All this stuff these people are talking about, go praying to this and that. Jesus is coming out of the clouds. He's going to stick his arm out of the clouds. There's going to be a UFO bombing in America. Listen. There are going to be planes coming to bomb America. There are going to be advanced aircrafts bombing America. Yes, that's true. But all this hocus-pocus, spookism nonsense is not true. In reality, you've been in the playground and gotten an argument with somebody. 
You shook shook hands with somebody or conducted contracts with somebody that went astray. You signed a mortgage or uh, uh, paying rent or a credit card. You did all these things in real life, okay? Well, if you breach, there's consequences. Well, when you breach with the most high, there's consequences. And the solutions are not miracles falling out of the clouds. The solutions are in knowing what you did to get yourself there, knowing how to conduct yourself in the right behavior, and then, therefore, having the right knowledge on how to get out. And now, the real way you get out of it is to come back to a body of people, start governing yourself, and separate yourself from taxation. It's real simple in, in theory. I can say it a thousand different ways in the more simple time terms, and people still won't get it. Well, no, see, man, just because you change your status with taxation, that doesn't mean that that beast doesn't care nothing about that. He's the devil. Okay, then explain to me, then, why. I'll tell you an instance that happened in my own family's life. Part of my family are Native American. Some of them live on reservation on my mother's side. Listen to this. There's a big crack epidemic on the reservation. The police tried to follow some of my relatives' friends who they suspected had possession of drugs, and they went onto the reservation, and they could not touch them. These people respect law. Negroes don't. These people understand the ramification of like what they did, like what the U.S. just did, where they put those boats out there, those ships out there the other day. Um, did anybody see that with China? They put the ships out there circling around Chinese territory. Not crossing over into it, because had they crossed over into it, it would have been an all-out war. But they know what and what not to do. So if this beast respects law, what makes you think that what you call your creator is so weak that these people cannot and won't respect the most highest laws? That's insane. That's insane. So in, in, in essence, you're saying the most high is too weak. The laws of the most high are too weak to stop the beast. Man, get out of here. You would never convince me of that. Why, one, because I've lived it, I'm living it, and I see it work every day. And just common sense ought to tell you. Just common sense ought to tell you better. So that's what we're doing. We're doing, really, we're setting up a real exodus here. This is a real exodus for us. Seriously. Because the time has come, we got to step it up. So, brothers and sisters, thank you for being able to listen to your brother. You wouldn't believe that when I'm not on the phones, I don't hardly talk at all. <laughs> I'm really silent, but I talk a lot. I talk a lot when I get in class. But thank you for being here. Please be on the line Thursday. Thank you for being here. Shalom. Brother Priest.
Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I'm just letting you know that I was here for a little while. It's Rami, okay? Okay. I did not know that, brother. Yeah, I was I was in for probably about forty five minutes. So I could I could hear what I could hear, and what I can't hear, I'd probably call somebody like uh, brother Ek or Yakin or one of them and catch up. Okay, brother. Thank right, you for being here. Good night, everyone. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.